This CIO Talk Network Solution Spotlight is a sponsored program brought to you by Kofax. This is CTN Solution Spotlight on CIO Talk Network. This is a sponsored program and CTN does not endorse the mentioned products or services. All views and opinions are those of the sponsor, its staff, and management. Welcome listeners, this is Sanjog All, your host, and the topic for our conversation is can Kofax deliver on its intelligent automation promise? So many organizations are jumping on the automation bandwagon for use cases ranging from repetitive transactions to complex knowledge-based business processes. Kofax claims that its technology solution enables intelligent automation holistically and thus helps the organizations exploit its potential fully. But what evidence does COFAX have to support this claim? We have invited Chris Huff, the Chief Strategy Officer at COFAX, to learn what sets COFAX apart from the other competing solution providers and to dig a little deeper to determine if COFAX can genuinely deliver on its intelligent automation promise. So here with me is Chris. Hey, hello, Chris. How are you? Thank you for joining us. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. So, Chris, here's my first question. What is Kofax's view on the business value of AI, which is the very fundamental building block of intelligent automation? Great question. And right out of the gate, I can tell there are going to be no softball questions here. So, um I'm excited to share some thoughts on the market and the value that Kofax customers are realizing. Um, to start, Kofax is an enterprise intelligent automation software company, and we help our customers modernize their business models by automating how work gets done across the enterprise, all while augmenting their, their human workers. So our, our view on the business value of AI is that, as with any good solution, it starts by first understanding the problem that we're trying to solve for. And in this instance, why is AI valuable and how does intelligent automation enable the value to be realized. So I always like to start with macro trends, and I use them as tailwinds to help find the right answers and solutions. And so I think if you, if you look out at some of the macro trends right now, you'll see there's an aging demographic challenge. So there's an aging population. There's an uh, availability, skill set availability challenge, so lack of available workers. Generationally, we have low unemployment in many countries throughout the world. And third, there's a purpose challenge. The newer generation of workers simply seek greater purpose in what they do than previous generations. So they're not willing to do some of the mundane, repetitive work that maybe earlier generations were willing to do. So I think as we look at that, we can start to define what intelligent automation is in its basic form, which is that AI technology that mimics and augments human actions and judgment, such as visual perception, speech recognition, decision-making. Now, if we can get artificial intelligence to an acceptable form of true human augmentation, then I think we found our solution for the aging availability and the purpose challenges that we just discussed. For these reasons, I think organizations in all regions of the world are really seeking capacity. They're not seeking artificial intelligence or intelligent automation. They're seeking capacity, the means by which they will be able to develop that capacity because they need to to deal with the aging availability and purpose challenges. And intelligent automation really provides organizations a very realistic and economical way to add capacity and build the bridge to greater use or consumption of artificial intelligence. So at Cofax, we focus on the practical application of artificial intelligence and automation through our platform to solve issues such as handling unstructured data, removing friction between the collaboration of 
person and machine and orchestrating the movement of data across the enterprise. And in that spirit, our intelligent automation platform really brings together our patented AI and automation to create the capacity that allows organizations to work like tomorrow today. Truly digitizing operations and workforces across the enterprise. So I would say that that is the primary value of artificial intelligence is to add capacity to organizations while empowering the person. So, Chris, there are many players now in the integrated or intelligent automation solutions category. How are they delivering on the promise? And what's new or different about the Colfax intelligent automation offering? Yeah, you're absolutely right. There are several players and seemingly new ones coming in on a daily basis. And I think that's just thanks to globalization. The barriers of the entry are, are very low, especially in the software realm, because you can scale software very quickly if you have a hit on your hand. And so I think the vendors in this space have done a terrific job of bringing automation to the masses. The leap to artificial intelligence is, is significant. But the new business analyst-focused drag-and-drop automation software has really connected with a business group that is, one, had the need for the capacity, two, the budget to buy it, and three, simply the desire and the ability to adopt it. And so it's happening. So we're slowly making automation, our robotic process automation, smarter as we move closer to artificial intelligence. So the process and the technologies of making RPA are what I would sometimes call dumb automation smarter is intelligent automation. So intelligent automation is building the bridge from base automation to AI. So I think intelligent automation will become more robust over time by infusing more artificial intelligence into the AI. So as we get closer, we're infusing more AI into the intelligent automation. But as people become comfortable with it, for instance, we're seeing mass adoption of conversational artificial intelligence and natural language processing in 2020. What we're not quite seeing adopted at mass in 2020 are things like AI predictive models. And from my perspective, it's not that the technology isn't ready. It absolutely is. It's simply the, the willingness to adopt to the uncertainty, to the governance of the technology. So, yes, I think vendors are delivering on a promise, and I think they're delivering on a big way. I think the greatest vital benefit of this automation-first era is the global upskilling that's taking place across the, the workforce. So I think we have the business analysts that are becoming much more comfortable talking about things like automation, machine learning, natural language processing, and other technologies because of how intuitive and business user-friendly they are. This is not something you saw on a business analyst resume five, ten years ago. You're seeing it today. So there is this global upskilling that's taking place. Individuals now have on their resumes or CVs the AI and the intelligent automation, and making them much more marketable. The mobility and the upward promotions are evident in 2020, and I expect to see that continuing to happen as we move forward. As it relates to Cofax, I would say the one thing that makes us unique is that we don't get overly flashy or we don't hype up a market that isn't there. We simply engage our customers. We ask them what our product roadmap should look like in order to best serve their needs. We hire the world's best developers, and we simply deliver. I think that's why Cofax will do over $600 million in revenue this year and are by far the most profitable of the 18 intelligent automation companies that Gartner assessed in their latest critical capabilities report. So we believe that automation, for it to drive significant value, must scale the enterprise, and it must be intelligent. 
a lot of the intelligence in the Cofax Intelligent Automation platform is focused on ingesting or bringing in that unstructured data and then handling it in a way where we can transform unstructured data into structured format. Because unfortunately, about 80% of an organization's data starts in unstructured format. So unless you address that 80%, you're likely not going to scale automation. So Coflex will continue to carve out our space within the intelligent automation market by investing in our patented AI technologies, focused on handling unstructured data, transforming it. That will then allow us to deliver a much more holistic intelligent automation platform. And that platform consists of base capabilities to ingest complex data, transform unstructured to structured, perform process orchestration, so moving data across the business, across functions within the business, but also bringing purpose-built applications that really focus on accelerating time to value. So for those use cases such as accounts payable, fraud detection, we have out-of-the-box purpose-built applications ready to go. So you don't need to build it from the ground up. Instead, you can buy it and sort of get started. So we'll continue to deploy our low-code intelligent automation platform using a cloud choice strategy, meaning we provide on-premise hosted and SaaS models. I think by bringing all these technologies together and providing a variety of delivery models, we allow our customers to achieve what Gartner calls hyper-automation, which is the scaled use of a, a range of artificial intelligence and automation technologies to drive true enterprise value. So can there be a one-size-fit-all solution that works across industries and use cases? And how close, if that's the case, how close does the COFAX intelligent automation solution get to such an ideal state? If there are gaps, what are they? One-size-fits-all. Well, the obvious answer to this is, is no. You should never say, you should rarely say that there's a one-size-fits-all solution. And I think that holds true here. Um, and so something that, that most may not know, but I'm, I'm sort of a history geek as it relates to enterprise software, not exactly something you just throw out there, um, but, but, I, but I am. So an interesting fact on this whole one-size-fits-all concept, if you look at the current trend and what's working and what isn't working, what is working today is platforms and ecosystems. If you look at the top 10 most valuable companies in 2008, one out of 10 of those Top 10 most valuable by market capitalization, market cap, were a platform and ecosystem company, one out of 10. If you look at that today, seven out of 10 are platform and ecosystem companies. That's significant, and it should tell you something, especially if you're on the buy side. If you're looking to consume enterprise software, you probably want a trusted software company that is a platform and ecosystem company, and they can bring the power of both to you that they're not just going to bring a point solution absent of the adjacent complementary technologies that you likely need to, to solve your complex business problems. And so this whole accelerated rate of change, the world's moving so much faster today than it did in 1980. This accelerated rate of change is making it impossible for one company to assess market needs, invest in R&D, test, deploy, and scale. By the time they do all of that, the market has simply moved on and the investment is likely lost. So the most successful companies are those that can devise an ecosystem that keeps them relevant and competitive and delivers to their customers. So if we agree that one company cannot bring everything, then, then how does the company become a strategic vendor of choice? Well, the way that COFAX has established our number two of 18 ranking in that Gartner Automation Critical Capabilities Report was largely through a few focus areas, one of which was a strong ecosystem of adjacent 
intelligent automation players, whereby we bring the best of breed to our customers to extend our core platform. And so we don't, we don't attempt to elbow out any perceived competitors. We, we embrace them because our customers have largely shifted to a multi-vendor environment because it makes sense for them. And so that's the primary design principle that we have at Cofax that I believe allows us to not say we have a one-size-fits-all solution. However, Cofax is a critical component of that solution. And we're a critical component because of our openly architected platform that allows our customers to easily extend through very friendly user interfaces and hook into other technologies that they're already using. So I think that we bring the best of Cofax to our customers. So our intelligent automation portfolio brings AI-powered automation and analytics on our platform. But then we also augment that by allowing our customers to extend. And in most cases, we build the adapters and connectors to be able to help our customers leverage the AI investments that they've already made. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back after these messages and discuss the scenario where what if an organization has already implemented a non-COFAX RPA tool and is happy with it? Would there still be value in bringing in the COFAX solution? Please stay tuned. We'll be right back. What if you could work like tomorrow? Work smarter across your organization to boost efficiency and revenue. What if your employees could work better, faster, with more time to spend with family? At Cofax, we ask these questions every day. That's why we're still going strong after three decades, helping our customers harness artificial intelligence to digitally transform business operations and automate end-to-end. Build the tomorrow you want today with intelligent automation. Discover more at Kofax.com. That's K-O-F-A-X.com. This is CTN Solution Spotlight on CIO Talk Network. Welcome back. So, Chris... What if an organization had already implemented a non-COFAX RPA tool and is feeling good and happy with it? What do you think would be the value in bringing the COFAX solution? Yeah, another, another great question because, frankly, COFAX, while we have our own RPA tool, it is simply a component of a much larger intelligent automation platform that really allows the ingest of data, primarily unstructured data, the transformation, the orchestration, and then the analytics tied to and the reporting out of that data. So we have a really, really robust end-to-end platform that can be consumed in a pretty modular fashion, meaning that if a customer already has a non-COFAX RPA solution and they're happy with it, then you don't need to use the COFAX RPA solution. You can use everything around it. And we'll talk about in a minute like why that is valuable. But if you think about what's happened in the last two to three years, there has been over $2 billion in venture capital funding that has been primarily consumed by two RPA vendors, uh, UiPath and Automation Anywhere. And so there is obviously a lot of UiPath and Automation license sitting out in the world right now. Most estimates that you look at, though, peg the average RPA project at less than 50 robots in production 
And of those robots that are in production, only 65% utilization, meaning that a license has 24 hours of availability, 24 hours in a day of availability, only 65% of that availability is being consumed. So there's a lot of excess capacity that exists in the current market, and that is likely going to lead to some buyer's remorse in 2020 and 21. And so Cofax is attempting to come in and help those customers out that have already made a non-Cofax RPA buy, and maybe they're not realizing full utilization or scaling as much as they would like to. So at Cofax, we hypothesize that the root cause of this excess capacity is the inability to ingest enough data to keep the robots busy. Because again, 80% of an enterprise's data is in unstructured format, and the starting point for RPA is structured and standardized data. Secondly, RPA robots depend on rules that do not change for them to operate, consistently operate. Most enterprises, though, have many systems that undergo changes frequently, so governance or management of the RPA digital workers becomes a problem. So you could imagine, what if you could sync the business side, which is typically where the RPA center of excellence resides, with the CIO side software development lifecycle? Imagine if you could identify the RPA robots before they break. So you could repair them and release them along with the updated systems from the CIO. So this is where if you can synchronize the RPA center of excellence with the CIO SDLC, the software development lifecycle, you can now make changes to enterprise systems and retrain the robots based on those changes to the systems and release them both at the same time. That would minimize a lot of this operational disruption. And, oh, by the way, it would add confidence to pushing these RPA robots away from the back office and closer to mission-critical front office processes. And so COFAX is focused on a capability called digital workforce management. It actually synchronizes the RPA center of excellence and the CIO site SDLC. And this has been a core design principle, like we talked about earlier, that COFAC is openly architected. And so we're vendor neutral. We can serve as a digital workforce management governance over an RPA project that may be UiPath, may be Automation Anywhere, Blue Prism, WorkFusion, you call it. But we can sit over top of it, essentially, and provide a digital workforce management capability that connects the IT and the business side and minimizes the operational disruption by these RPA robots breaking down. So if you could imagine a Cofax Plus, fill in the blank, any other RPA vendor capability, and we have large financial service organizations out there right now, customers that are using Cofax Plus another vendor, such as Automation Anywhere, whereby on the front end, Cofax is ingesting all this unstructured data we're transforming the unstructured data. We're feeding it to the Automation Anywhere RPA robot that they have already made an investment in, but we're a little frustrated that they weren't being able to get enough data to the Automation Anywhere robot. So they're using Cofax on the front end, giving it to the Automation Anywhere robot. That robot is doing task automation, which is what RPA is really good at. It sort of struggles with true process automation, which is really focused on the human-in-the-loop collaboration. How can you put humans at the higher-value judgment-based work within a process and not on the rules-based task? And so when that automation where robot then encounters a complex decision point that requires a human-in-the-loop, COFAX then becomes that orchestration component 
that will take the work from the robot and give it to the person and bring it back to the automation or robot. So there's a ton of value in Cofax coming in to a non-Cofax RPA project and serving as a digital workforce management governance and enhanced auditability, which is critical as you have GDPR in Europe. And in the Americas now, you're starting to see GDPR manifest itself in California, ECPA, so the California Consumer Privacy Act, as of January 1, went into play. You're going to see this sort of perpetuating itself throughout, I think, the world as we move forward. So I think the auditability is going to be critical, and that's what we help with. It converges IT stacks and basically bridges the AI to automation. An example of how COFAC is working with our ecosystem to really deliver an ideal state is with MUFG, or Bank of Tokyo, uh, globally one of the largest banks. And as Bank of Tokyo scales their intelligent automation across the globe, their center of excellence is out of Tokyo. And it just frankly also happens to be the largest RPA transaction in, in the history of RPA, and we're, we're, we're very humbled to own that. Um, but, but we're not the only solution in there, and, that, and, that's, and that's key. So it's the largest RPA deal ever, but we're not delivering it alone. And so we're working with our ecosystem partners within MUFG, and primarily we're working with IBM and Pega and Cofax. So those three together have really delivered for Bank of Tokyo, MUFG, their intelligent automation global solution. And so their digital workforce is focused on, as you can imagine, for a financial services company, a lot of non-standard and unstructured data that needs to be ingested and then needs to be fed into their RPA robots. And their COFAX RPA robots then need to work with various systems. And there also needs to be a process discovery component to this. And so we work with our alliance partners because Bank of Tokyo and UFG already had IBM in their IT stack. And so we wanted to help them leverage and get the most ROI out of their existing investment. And so Cofax works very nicely with IBM's Blue Works Live in order to establish this digital workforce around Cofax RPA. So you're going to continue to see greater ecosystem and, and platform play. Cofax is driving this with companies like Microsoft around Azure Cloud, Google around their open source AI, Coupa around their business spend management, CyberArk with digital security, SailPoint with digital worker identity verification. But the list goes on and on because these are the companies that our customers told us that they are either already working with and therefore would need to hire system integrators to integrate these solutions with Cofax. Well, Cofax is taking the onus on ourselves to simply build these adapters and connectors in advance of releasing our software, which hopefully takes the burden off of our customers around the services that they would have to put around Cofax to make us work at scale. What are some of the prerequisites before organizations can fully exploit intelligent automation using Cofax solution? And what pitfalls and issues should they expect in the journey and how to best address them? Three or four questions all in one there. Okay, we're going to take it top to bottom. So I think to get the full value of COFAX intelligent automation or, or any automation investment or program, I would suggest three things. I typically do things in threes. Uh, so three things. One is do your homework. Two is get executive alignment and buy-in. And three is have clear ownership and a future state sustainment model in mind before 
starting with any pilot or proof of concept. And so let's go back to the do your homework. So doing the homework is actually easier today than it has ever been. Uh, thank you, Internet. Thank you, mobile devices. But doing the homework is very easy today. So part of doing your homework, I would say, is to make sure you understand the problem you're solving for. Clearly articulate the problem and make sure that intelligent automation is, is likely going to be the right answer before you spend time on it. Um, there, in some instances, I've seen where organizations simply aren't ready to automate. They need to go through an optimization plan before they automate. Um, so you don't want to just automate, you know, a broken business model or a broken operational processes. Probably want to optimize them first. Um, but do your homework to make sure that you're understanding the problem that you're solving for and that automation is likely the answer. Second with doing your homework is just the research around Gartner reports that we alluded to earlier, Forrester Waves, these exist um, and they're readily available. Um, and frankly, they, since they did just release their Gartner anyway, just released their Automation Critical Capabilities Report in December, I think we would be happy to make it available to, to everyone here if we could hang that out there somehow or, or shoot it out to the distro. But another piece of doing your homework would be simply to talk to other customers that are maybe just a few steps ahead of you to figure out, you know, why they started down this path um, and, and some of the challenges they had. Something we did at COFAX is we set up a strategic advisory board of our customers in all three regions of the world, the APAC, EMEA, and the Americas. And it was primarily intended to get our customers together so that way they can network and talk and, oh, by the way, become COFAX ambassadors at our COFAX events so that way they can talk to the prospects. We're very proud of our technology and we stand behind it. So we do want our current customers to talk to our prospects. And then I would say the second thing around getting the executive alignment and buy-in, whether this is at the board level or the C-suite level or lower, they just need to understand that if there is a lack of governance and change management within the program, that basically is the kiss of death. The kiss of death of any dream of scaling automation is to lack governance and change management. Change management both on the technical side and on the human side. There's a human element to change management, which is shifting culture and mindset and how people work. So I would say buy-in is best when you're able to preemptively address the what's in it for me through a very, very clear business case. And I always do a four-pillar business case. The first is strategic alignment, just making sure that your automation initiatives align with the larger strategic alignment, which could be... We're going to digitally transform our enterprise. We're going to better service our customers. So how does automation align to that larger strategic effort? Second is operational impact. So be able to preemptively address where the increased compliance, reduced processing time, improved customer response time, reduced transaction costs, all of those operational impacts that you like they're going to see down in the lines of business. The third is financial impact. So what is the true investment? What is the outlay? What are the anticipated savings and net benefits? Then fourth, what is the impact on the workforce? Typically, nobody wants to address the impact on the workforce because of automation and this dark cloud of labor arbitrage where maybe automation is taking over jobs. Um, that isn't what we're seeing as we deploy this. What we're seeing is that it's empowering people. It's shifting people from lower-value transactional work to higher-value judgment-based work. It's creating that excess capacity. And so I think being honest and upfront and addressing the workforce impact as part of the business case is absolutely imperative to getting the executive alignment buy-in. 
the last one was around having a clear ownership and a future state sustainment model in mind before starting the pilot or proof of concept. If you do not spend on software and try to go cheap on, on services, that's the that's a recipe for, for disaster. And so services typically have best-in-class frameworks around sustainment models. So performing diagnostics to assess your business problems, crosswalking into the appropriate solution, and then being able to have the tools and the innovative technologies as you move forward. And so I think the clear ownership is something that is sometimes lacked because this will start with a line of business. You will attempt to, an organization will attempt to radiate it out to other lines of business, but without clear ownership and who's going to hold the out-year sustainment, it becomes very, very challenging. So how are we pricing the intelligent automation solutions today, and how are we expecting it to evolve? I would further ask, how is Cofax going to ensure that it always delivers the highest value through its intelligent automation solution, and that too at the most competitive price. Yeah, and this is uh, this is really interesting because Microsoft came out with, with their RPA, and while it's a base capability, it is RPA, and Microsoft is already in almost every enterprise in the world, so it now takes out that barrier of the CIO approving a new RPA tool. So I think Microsoft, what they've done is they've almost driven RPA, the price of RPA, to zero, to free. If somebody truly just wants RPA and they're not hyped up on a particular logo, they're likely going to go with Microsoft RPA. It's already there. And so I think if you're looking at just RPA, which part of our conversation today has been focused on, I think the pricing to that model was driven to the bottom very, very quickly. And Microsoft basically drew a line in the sand and said, it's zero. And so I think to put a premium on RPA is very challenging at this point, which is why COFAX doesn't hang everything on RPA. COFAX hangs it on RPA being a component of a much larger platform that's required to truly innovatively transform an organization to digitize business models. And so if I were a buyer, I'd honestly be confused with the pricing because there is a, lacking, a lack of pricing standardization across the industry. So no one really knows if they are, one, buying the right amount of capacity, two, getting a fair price for the capacity that they have bought. And But but all markets go through this, right? All markets go through, do we price by seat, license, transaction, whatever the, the, the unit is. And I do believe that as the market consolidates further, so Pega bought OpenSpan, SAP bought Contexter, Appian just bought Jadoka. As these consolidations continue to accelerate, we'll see greater standardization. But right now, as it said, there are two primary models, and that's perpetual pricing, buy it once. You pay an annual maintenance fee, typically 20% of what you bought it for, but you own it, perpetual pricing. And then there's subscription pricing, so monthly or annual recurring. You're basically leasing the software. Those are the two most common, perpetual and subscription. What I would say is some people conflate as a service with subscription. So as you start to hear about RPA as a service, Yes, there's a subscription pricing model tied to it, but they're not the same. As a service is is as a service, right? You would think about it, you you go to a URL and you use a solution. It's hard for you to go out there and configure that. It's really locked down to a to a great extent. 
And so with subscription, subscription companies largely are on-prem solutions. So you're buying it um, and you're, or you're implementing it on-premise in your network. So you can configure it. You're just paying a subscription, a monthly fee to it. Cofax takes a lot of pride in listening to our customers. And what our customers told us was that they value the flexibility of both a perpetual, they buy it and they own it, and a subscription. They pay a monthly fee and they can stop paying at any particular time. And so they value both of those because our customers have different budget and fiscal needs around CapEx, which is largely perpetual, and OpEx, so capital expenditures and operational expenditures. And the operating expenditures largely align with subscriptions. So they pay as they go, if you will. And while most companies are trying to push from perpetual to subscription to improve out your predictability and customer stickiness, Cofax is going to remain committed to supporting both models because our 25,000 global customers are split between OPEX and CapEx spending. So basically, we're not going to improve our Cofax business model at the expense of forcing our customers into a particular model. Our business model at Cofax is going to improve because our customers are simply doing better, which means giving them more options to suit their needs. Once again, thank you, Chris, for sharing your thoughts and insights on this Solution Spotlight segment. Thanks for having me. And listeners, I invite you to find related conversations on our website at ciotalknetwork.com. This is CTN Solution Spotlight on CIO Talk Network. This CTN Solution Spotlight is brought to you by Cofax.